Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get close to the radio station. I'm excited about this. You should be as well, and I know you are. Chris Burke Gaffney. Chris, good afternoon. Al, how the heck are you? I am great. Thank you so much for doing this. I, I really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I hope, uh, I hope the radio station is nice and air-conditioned for you. <laughs> well, I'm at home, and my home oh, is air-conditioned. Yeah, you know, we're of all course. everywhere, right? Yeah, which yes, is my of first... Course. I, I'm trying to forget no, about COVID, yeah. okay. I know, I know. And that's my first question, so let's get right to it. We've got so much to talk about, and I've got a whole half hour set aside here. If you have the time, oh, wow. uh, I have the okay. time. Um, what? How have you been dealing with uh, this pandemic? How has it changed the way you do things? I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, I live out in East St. Paul with my wife, and um, I, you know because I don't have a regular day job. My whole life, I've tried to avoid a day job, and uh, <laughs> so my recording studio and my offices—they're actually in the basement of my house. So the only thing that really changed is that for. Uh, two months or whatever it was, I didn't have any sessions. Uh, we wouldn't, uh, you know, when it was really bad, we weren't letting anybody in the house. But other than that, it didn't change my life, really. I uh, got my bicycle going, and I, uh, you know, I did a lot of bike riding because uh, we couldn't play hockey anymore. And uh, and I got a big yard out here, so it was springtime and stuff, and there's lots to do around the yard. So uh, I feel very fortunate. Like, very, very fortunate and very grateful because I know that this really affected a lot of people, uh, you know, in Winnipeg and in the planet, for that matter, very badly. And uh, so, yeah, like I say, I feel very lucky. It was going to be dueling rockers today because uh, Kathy Kennedy, who's filling in for Jeff Courier, was going to have Kim Mitchell on. Now she's having him on Friday, and, and of course you're on with me today. And Kathy made a comment in teeing up Kim the other day uh, on the show, and she said, I have a feeling that when things get back to something closer to normal, that a lot of these artists, like you and Kim, are going to come out with new music. You know, you've had three months to do nothing but create. Do you think there might be something to that? <laughs> uh, well, it's funny you ask that. I have been working on another project, um, and I, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure. Um, you know, I've been meaning to do a my own record for a long time because I have not, I've not been away from music, uh, as you may or may not know, because I, have, right. I play in a couple of bands, including... Pumps and Harlequin, and uh, but more uh, most of my time is spent recording other people's music, uh, uh, or you know, writing with other people, producing their records, and uh, you know, helping them in the music industry. So I've been very busy uh, with music, but uh, I really wanted to put my own record out, and uh, before I, you know, before I'm too, you know, in the grave. So. Uh, <laughs> And I wasn't sure, you know, if I should make a Pumps record or if I should make a Chris Gaffney record or, or what I should do. But the other thing that I, I was watching everything that was going on in the world, uh, the craziness in the United States and how that affects the world, how fake news and propaganda, the misinformation is affecting us all. And uh, not to get too uh, serious, but affecting democracy. And, and I, I watched that uh and and so I decided to make a record uh, that the record's called Lies, and it's really uh, sort of a metaphorical look at uh, uh, 
you know, what's happening in society with misinformation. And uh, uh, so that, that's what I've been working on. I've released a couple of songs. It's under, it's under the name Bucky Cromwell. Um, I was going to ask uh, you about Bucky Cromwell. Who's Bucky Cromwell? Well, I was just, I, this is sort of satire. This, this whole, uh, you know, I'm kind of using, I, I watched fake news put, uh, you know, the president of the United States and, and affect change in, in, a, in a way. And I thought, well, you know, fake news and propaganda and misunderstanding can, uh, or misinformation can, can make uh, that guy the president. And maybe it could make somebody like me a rock star. So, uh <laughs> So uh, I thought, as you know, as a parody, I would just make up a whole bunch of fake news, like uh, you know, uh, you know, Kim Kardashian uh, denies that she's uh, Bucky Cromwell's uh, secret lover, or, or you know, stuff. You know, just uh, yeah. have a lot of fun with that. I'm, I'm trying to have fun with it. So, and and the reason I picked the name Bucky Cromwell is because I thought it was number one, kind of a fun name. And but more importantly, it's a very searchable name. Um, on you know, on, if you put Google in, I actually did a little um, uh, research, and the only Bucky Cromwell that I could find on the planet was some guy in Wisconsin who was a plumber. And uh, and so when you search Bucky Cromwell, uh, all the, all the Bucky strong, you know, all the Instagram, the Facebook, and the Bucky's YouTube channel, all that stuff will come up. So uh, that's really the strategy there. Okay, so people should go and check it out. Um, that's cool. And, and you know, you, as you said, you're having fun with it, right, Chris? But at the same time, you're making an important point. Well, I, I'm trying to because this is—it's really—it you know—I don't know if I'm terrified or just or just laughing at the craziness of it. Um, but it, it is important to me. I'm—I've always been interested in world politics and. Uh, you know the dynamic of uh, the way countries and and, and uh, work together, and and also um, you know as you get older, you you know you want to see the world go in the right direction, and uh, uh, you you care more about humanity and the people, and I care about the planet, and you know I've, I've signed up for you know like the David Suzuki Foundation, the zero waste, the uh, you know, uh, climate change stuff. And so I get bombarded with all this uh, stuff uh, about, you know, hopefully, you know, I don't know how much time I have left on this planet now, but, you know, hopefully I can uh, in some way affect some little change. Mm-hmm. You're a singer player. You're, you're a songwriter. You're a producer. You're an artist manager. What's your favorite hat to wear? Uh, producing is my favorite hat because, uh, yeah, I love, uh, I love making music. Uh, I'm really excited about the way, uh, music, uh, like software and, uh, digital recording has changed over the last, uh, you know, 20 years or so. Uh, and it's given me the power to, um, you know, cause sometimes I'm a bit of a control freak and, and now I have the power to do everything myself if, if, if necessary. Uh, so a lot of times when I'll produce an artist who's only the singer, uh, I can make everything for them with their drums and their, their, you know, I play guitar and I play keyboards a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can program stuff. And so, uh, and the software and the music, I can, can make fantastic sounding records, you know, in your basement or your bedroom. Uh, 
As a matter of fact, I heard, uh, I saw a YouTube video about Billie uh, Eilish and uh, her and her brother made that, you know, Grammy winning record in their bedroom. The whole thing. Yeah, made it at home. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, that's my favorite part. You know, and here I am doing a radio show uh, from from my home studio. Nothing like your studio, I'm sure, but my home studio. And, you know, when I started in this business in the early and mid-80s, I mean, you couldn't do a, a remote broadcast, right? You would have to take a whole radio station with you. And, and now we're doing this, you know, a little box the, the size of a, a wallet almost has got me on the air here. And it's the same for people in my industry, you know. If I ever got mad at CJOB or maybe they get mad at me one day again and send me packing, I can always, you know, get a couple of computers and and do it online now. So it is so much easier for creatives to do their thing, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, my my studio is probably, it's pretty humble. I wouldn't say it's any better than yours, but... I can't see um, see if you're getting mad at you. Nobody could get mad at you, Hal. That's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Hey, do you mind if we uh, take a break? Because I want to talk about this list of songs that was in one of the papers. And, and can we reminisce a bit? I, I wanted to find out where you're at now and what's up with you. But do you mind if we reminisce a bit? Because there's so much history with you, Chris. No, not at all. I'm happy to, uh, chat. happy to chat. All right. Excellent. We're going to take a break. 2.13. We'll check the weather and we'll come back with Chris Burke Gaffney on Hal Anderson Afternoons on CJOB. Stay right there. 217, Hal Anderson on CJOB with Chris Burke-Gaffney. Look at me, baby, before you pack up and go I can never hurt you, I need you to know uh, Chris is, uh, of course, uh, the man behind CBG uh, Artist Development. I guess you started that, Chris, uh, with Chantel Kriviazic, right? That That's why you started that, sort of, she was your first uh, client or, or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, you know, I've been playing in bands up until, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the 90s. And uh, and I had a studio, uh, you know, I, that's why I wanted to sort of get too old to, to go on the road. Or, you know, not too old, but I had kids and stuff like that. Yeah, I wanted to sure. stay home and... Uh, uh, so I had a studio downtown, and um, I met uh, Chantal Kreviasek, and uh, she was kind of my first artist development thing, where I started writing with somebody and, and, and started producing them, and, uh, producing them, and uh, with uh, my partner Dan, because it's right, uh, there. and uh, and then ended up writing the first record with them, and, uh, and it was pretty crazy because all the we started. You know, she said, well, will you be my manager? She was like, well, that's crazy because, uh, you know, I've always thought managers were, you know, the stereotypical uh, rip you off kind of things. But uh, I said, well, yeah. there's nobody else around. I'll give it a shot. And we sent it out to a bunch of labels. And every label, it seemed, wanted to sign her. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, that uh, she got she got a big record deal with Sony Records. And, uh we went all over North America promoting it, uh, and uh, it was uh, it was a. I got very very lucky. I have to admit, I got very lucky, and we it opened a lot of doors for me. And then uh, that became sort of my modus operandi, and I started uh, you know trying to develop uh, other artists as well. And you've worked with other names that Winnipeggers and Manitopans would recognize, like McMaster and James. And I remember when Chantel Crevy, for me, um, she just kind of came out of nowhere for me. 
Um, and I went, oh, boy, who who is this Winnipegger that's, you know, going to get signed to this? It was Sony back in the day, right? That's who signed yeah, her, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was uh, it was a cool story. I think uh, most Winnipeggers my age would would remember that. Yeah, it was it was pretty exciting time. I mean, back then, uh, that's when um, you know the the heyday of the music business uh, before the digital age. Uh, I hate to sound like an old guy, but at that point, record companies were throwing a lot of money around. You know, yeah. they get big big advances, sign more artists. And they signed artists based on their talent and their skills and, and, and stuff like that, uh, as opposed to now, where it's very, very hard to get a record deal. You pretty much have to, you know, they, they don't they don't look at you and go, wow, this person's got a great voice and a great song and a great story. They go, well, let's see, how many you know YouTube subscribers do they have? How many Instagram followers do they have? How many? Right. Yeah. Uh, they they want to see all those statistics before. Mm-hmm they'll put any money in. Uh, so it's, you know, you, you got to pretty much do everything, uh, or, uh, you know, be a do it yourself or at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You've got such a history of success in music. You know, one of the papers had a list, uh, uh Manitoba songs, I guess. What was you, you were telling me about this? What's the list? Most important or most relevant Manitoba songs. Was that it? Yeah, or that's what? right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you had else. seven of the top 10 songs, right? Or seven of the songs on that list. Seven of the songs on the list, not in the top 10. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, it was kind of, it was interesting that it was seven because, they, you know, they started off with a disclaimer saying, "But we're only going to give each artist three, a potential three. Otherwise, you know, it would probably be, be Neil Younger or, or the Guess Who in Back in the yeah. Turner Hyperdrive would be taking them all." Mm-hmm. Um, so they all had three, and uh, but <laughs> you yeah, had seven. I, I mean, I, ha- I had two with the pom- uh, or Orphan was picturing two of their songs, and the Pumps was picked for one of their songs, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, some of the artists that I produced and wrote for, like Chantel and McMaster and James, Sierra Noble, Egon Hawk, um, those are some of the other ones that uh, mm. I was involved with. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, the Pumps. I mean, you were that was back in your teens, and then you wrote Miracle uh, for Orphan. You were in your twenties, and I mean, you toured with some of the biggest names. I was looking at the list of bands that you toured with. Uh, ACDC and uh, I mean so many uh, does that seem like a lifetime ago like you you have stayed Chris you have stayed so relevant in this business a business that's so used to chewing up and spitting out uh, artists and and people like you and yet you've survived and thrived well I have been chewed up and spit out a couple times myself <laughs> that has happened eh? yeah <laughs> yeah that has I've been humbled many times but uh I've also been very lucky, I have to admit, and especially, you know, coming from Winnipeg, because uh, it's tougher, you know, when you're not in Los Angeles or Nashville or, or Toronto or something like that. Uh, it is tougher. So, yeah, I've been pretty lucky. But um, um, I, I think part of it is because I, I wore a few hats at the same time. I was an artist myself and uh, and a producer, but I was also a manager, too. So I kind of... Um, you know, I was able to to see big picture on the whole industry and sort of you know try to adapt as the as the industry changed. But I was very lucky to see you know uh, work with uh, a lot of uh, you know pretty famous people and be on stage with uh, you know we we were very lucky to open with a lot of the bigger bands and stuff like that. So uh, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was lucky. But you know, I'll be honest with you, it was a lifetime ago. I, I, yeah. I, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm a different different person now. And uh, But, uh, yeah, it's great. I wish we, I wish we had cell phones back there so we could have taken more pictures, you know. There's such a shortage of pictures of uh, the things that happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the toughest question I've asked you in the past half hour, just about out of time. So here's my question: Do you have a favorite memory? Can you can you nail one down, or or if you have to, give me two or three? But do you have a favorite memory? Something that really matters for whatever reason to you? Uh, well, if you're talking music, uh, yeah, uh, there's there's a few things. Uh, I remember one time. Um, you know, my younger son, Nick, was uh, growing up, and he was a huge Guns N' Roses fan. He loved Guns N' Roses and uh, Slash and the older lyrics and everything. And we got the opportunity to open for them uh, at one point. And when the, when the show came to Winnipeg, um, I took Nick down to uh, the sound check. And uh, he got to go on stage, right up on stage, and look at the Slash and guitars and amps, and then walk around backstage and see the guys. And uh, I didn't really get a chance to meet them, but uh, just to be in that environment uh, and just to, you know, sort of live that moment through his eyes was uh, that's something I'll always remember. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, there, there, there's some crazy memories too, where, you know, we, we, you know, you, you hear these spinal tap stories about, you know, and some of those things happened to us. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget one time we were backstage somewhere and they went, okay, guys, you're on. And I can't remember if it was an army base or a university or something. And we got lost. We got lost in the hallways. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> we were walking around there for five minutes and the guys were looking for us. Uh, you know, just stupid things like that that you remember. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. It's been fun. Hey, this has been fun, uh, Chris. I'll always remember our half hour together here on CJOB. Thanks a lot for this. Really appreciate your time. I will, too. Thanks, Hal. And I just want to say one last thing. Happy Canada Day, everybody. We're so lucky to live in this country. From Chris Burke Gaffney, we certainly are. Thank you very much. We'll talk again soon. The news at 2.30 is coming right up. And then we're going to talk about, heaven forbid, another possible epidemic. Yep, apparently. Hal on CJOB. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.